0: All right, C12. Are y'all doing good tonight? Yeah, you, I mean, you kind of have to after that. So listen, I'm glad you're here. We're going to jump right in. We got a lot to talk about. I don't normally talk a lot. and I think tonight I might just go ahead and do that because we're in the final week of this series called Resolve, as you can see up there and like you just saw on the bumper. And in this series, we're talking about why you should have resolve in your life. My prayer is that through these first Three weeks and now into tonight, that you would have been able to see the importance of having resolve in your life. And, and the first three areas we talked about were in your influence, having resolve in your purity, and having resolve last week in your faith. And by doing these three things, it then increases your, your ability to have the best possible life that Jesus wants for you. And we've been doing this primarily by looking at one 15-year-old boy. His name is Daniel. And I've been lo- I love getting to look through the story of Daniel and walk through it. Because Daniel, when we see him at the very beginning in the book of Daniel, is 15 years old. And we catch this 15-year-old staring at the face of the king of Babylon, the most powerful person on the planet. And saying, I'm not going to worship the gods that you have. I'm not going to worship the Babylonian gods because I'm going to worship my God. He had resolve in his heart. And I would say that the resolve that he had at 15... As a young boy, the resolve he had right there in Daniel chapter 1 is the exact thing that would set up the trajectory for the rest of his life. It actually determined his future because of what he had resolved to do in his early years. Now, as we talk about future, that's kind of a a funny thing, the whole, for the rest of his life, because I think that is something that all of you are sitting in right now. We're 18 to 25, that college age season of life, and so every single one of you, I would imagine, are getting questions like, you know... So what are you going to do after college? That fun question. And in 10 years, where do you want to be? And you're like, I don't freaking know. Uh, alive? I don't understand. Um, oh, that's, this is one that I got in college. I was an English major. And so my question that I always got was, oh, you're an English major. What are you going to do to make money? Like, uh, uh, work? I don't know. Are you going to go to school again? No. I'm not going to do that. I can tell you that right now. And see, we always get these questions about our future about what it is you're going to do and who it is you're going to become. And what we've learned from Daniel and what we're continuing to learn tonight is that there is an extreme amount of resolve that you need to have in your life in determining your future. That it really matters when we talk about the rest of your life and how you answer those questions. And so my hope for tonight is that maybe you come in here and you feel overwhelmed by those questions. You feel overwhelmed by the idea of, I don't know what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. Or maybe you know what it is. You know the answer of what you want to do. You just don't know how to do it or how to get there. And that uncertainty just freaks you out. It's okay because I'm hoping that tonight you get a little kick in the pants and realize that it's time to realize those dreams. It's time to dream big and to go after the things that you want to do because God's wired you and designed you specifically to live out a story. Now what it is you do with your story that is really dependent upon you. So to inspire you and just to kind of share the, the model of where all of you are, y'all take a look at this.
1: My, you really are growing up. And life is an adventure filled with amazing possibilities. How about becoming a world-famous explorer, searching the jungles for hidden treasure? You could be an underwater adventurer. Maybe even a hero of the untamed Wild West. Or a brave warrior living out on the plains. You could always travel with the circus. So, explore a world that's waiting to be found. And though you may fall, or the going gets tough, keep pushing on. Because there's a world full of mysteries for you to solve. So fire your engines. Gather your courage. Let go of fear. And dig deep inside. Because it's never too soon to shoot for the moon. No matter where life takes you, good stories are sure to follow. So chase down those dreams and take hold, because a story that lives is a story that's told. That's so
0: good, right? Like I don't, I don't know if you're clapping because you're confused or because you really thought that was good. But here's the deal, that, like, that summed up what you should be doing and where you're living right now and all these questions in a minute and a half. And a dude threw a cartoon, and so the kid in me is like, yes, I love that. It's one of the best parts about having a two-year-old son, you get to watch cartoons. But I love the line at the end when they went to that final scene. He did all these crazy things, he was riding a horse out the west, he was a, a Native American Indian, he was on a train with circus animals, I don't know what he was doing. And then he came back to where he was at the start, and it said, no matter where life takes you, good stories are sure to follow. So chase down those dreams and take hold, because a story that lives is a story that's told. And I think that the heart of that video and the heart of what we're going after tonight is the, is the truth, the reality, that all of you have an incredible story to live, an incredible story to tell, an incredible story that God would design for you, but your story will largely depend upon if you find resolve in your life for your future right now. Right now in this current season of life, if you, can, if you can nail down what it looks like to have resolve for your future, then everything else will be taken care of if you can determine that right now. And we learn this because of what Daniel did. We've talked about Daniel. We've been sitting in Daniel. But the truth is, I'm sure Daniel was scared just like all of you were when he faced some difficult decisions and questions early on in his life. But Daniel shows us there are specific things things that God has for you in your life, just like he had for Daniel. So we've been doing it. We're going to go right back into it. We're going to open up to Daniel chapter 1. If you're new with us in this, there is a Bible under the chair in front of you or under the seat in front of wherever it is. There's a Bible around you. And if you don't have one, it's going to look like this. Write your name in it. Take it home. Make it yours. It's a gift from us to you. Get in the word. Marinate in it. It's the best thing for you. And we're going to focus in Daniel chapter 1, which is page 881. Page 881 for all you cheaters. Um, Now in Daniel chapter 1, we're going to see the beginning once more of Daniel's story. So I'm going to start reading in verse 1 of chapter 1. You follow along. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it, took it over, captured it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of those articles from the temple of God. These he, Nebuchadnezzar, carried off to the temple of his gods in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz... I messed that up every time. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility... People, young men, that were without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained for how many years? For three whole years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those that were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego, our favorite Sunday school characters. And now in verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, the food that was set apart for them from Nebuchadnezzar, not, or resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. And because of his resolve, because of the resolve he had, we've learned last week, we went story after story after story after story about how Daniel's life was one filled with faith. And so skip down, turn the page if you're on this one, to verse 20, the end of chapter 1. It says, In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king, Nebuchadnezzar, questioned them, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Michel, Azariah, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. In verse 21. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. And so when you look at Daniel's life, it's not just he's a 15-year-old making decisions. Daniel lived to be over 90 years old. Cyrus came along after 70 years of exile. So at minimum, he was 85 during Cyrus' time, at minimum, and it might have been even longer. And for 90 years, he had a life filled with incredible stories, filled with incredible faith. But I would say that all of it started, the entire trajectory for the entire story, in this book of the Bible that we look at, this major prophet, started when he was young and made a resolve about how he was going to live. And he made a resolve to trust God. The culture was telling him, everyone was telling him, you should do this, eat the royal food and wine, it's the best thing you're ever going to eat, I promise. And he was like, no, I'm going to resolve to trust God, to do what he says and to worship him and him alone. And because he had this resolve as a young adult, we start to see that it played out over and over and over again. But here's the deal. There's kind of a backstory that we haven't touched on. So we've talked about Daniel. We read through like the entire book last week, it felt like. But Daniel 1 starts when he's how old? Fifteen, all right, three of you are listening, good, okay. When he's 15 is when Daniel 1 starts. So that means there's 15 years of his life that happened. That he and his friends had 15 years of growing up to do before they ever were captured by Nebuchadnezzar. For 15 years, he was doing things and growing in things and God was preparing him for his story. For 15 years, he became the specific way that he was and God gave him strengths. God gave him specific strengths, specific talents, things that set him apart, that existed far before Daniel chapter 1. We saw them in the verses that we read. Daniel was smart. Daniel was good looking. If he walked in this room, all the girls would be like, oh, what up, dude? What you working with? Okay, I see you. That's what would happen. All of you. Even if there's a guy sitting next to you that you think is attractive. Trust me. Smart. He was good looking. He was born into royalty. He was wise. Daniel had everything going for him, period. And God, here's the deal. God intentionally gave him all these things. It was no accident that Daniel looked like he did, that he had the brain that he did, that he was as smart as he was, he was as wise as he was. There was no accident that Daniel had influence. It was by no accident that Daniel became who he was. It was by no accident that Nebuchadnezzar took over Jerusalem when Daniel was a 15-year-old. Verse 2 says the Lord gave uh, gave Judah over to uh, Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. The Lord gave it. He intended all these things to happen. So none of it's by accident. All of it is intentional. Even the things that make Daniel who he is. And so if Daniel would teach us one thing, one thing for all of us is that no matter where you came in here tonight, feeling like, no matter what your story is before you walk in this place, God has given each of you specific strengths. So if you want to follow along, we're going to have some notes. You can follow along with those. Write them down. There are three main things I want you to understand as you find resolve for your future. The first is that God gave you strengths. Now, when I say this, I don't mean that all of you are, like, strong in different ways, like beefy and deezed out like Hassan wants to be. Okay? I see you getting mad when you can't do your leg workout day. It's cool. It's fine. But here's the deal. God has given each of you, don't laugh at him. Hey, he's doing leg workout days. You're not. Jerks. I got you, bro. I got you. But God gave Daniel specific strengths, and he's given each of you unique, individual, distinctive, specific strengths that make you who you are. And all of you have this. If you were born, you have this. And when I say strengths, I mean the things that make you who you are, the things that have gotten you in the door, the things that have allowed you to to experience what you have, the successes, the failures, all of it. It's all by God's design and Him authoring your life. He's given you strength. It's no accident that you're who you are, that your parents are who they are, that you look like you do, that you're as smart as you are, that you grew up where you did. God gave all of that to you intentionally. It was by no accident. And he gave you strengths. And when you you start to see that God intentionally did this, what you're learning is that this is called God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. And the fact that God is sovereign means that he's authoring your life, that everything happens inside of his hands, and then you can fully trust him in his sovereignty. And see, every single thing we're going to talk about tonight, all three of the resolves that you need to have, the things that God gave you, the things you're going to find in your life, all boil down to one main question. Do you trust God? All of tonight is going to boil down to one primary thing, trust. And do you trust God? Because see, Daniel had strengths. He had strengths that he lived out, strengths that were incredible for him. But ultimately, he had to trust God. He had to trust God enough to say, all right, Nebuchadnezzar, you may be powerful and you may have given me some crazy name that I don't understand, but here's the deal. I'm going to worship my God and not yours. What you got to say about that? Daniel could have and probably should have died on the spot the moment he would defied whatever the king wanted. And yet he trusted God enough to say, but this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. And if I could just make one, not that noise, but if I could make one, one assessment of Daniel's life, is that when he was 15 and he did this, that was not the very first time that he ever had to make a difficult decision for his faith. If you think about his life and where he grew up and what he knew and who he was, his entire life had led up to that moment inside of God's sovereignty. And everything that he did from that moment on continued to play out as God designed. Everything happened intentionally. None of it was by accident. So maybe you come into this place with no idea of what you want to do with your life. Right? That, I mean, these are like primary themes that we deal with in this college age season of life. Maybe you have no idea what you want to do. Maybe you come in here and you're like, I think I know, but I'm not quite sure how to go about doing that, or I'm not even sure if it's the right thing, or if it's for me, or, or how I should go about doing that. And the biggest encouragement that I would give you is not to figure out what you want to do, but to figure out who you are. If God gave you strengths, then go find them. What are your strengths? And when I say that, here's here's what I don't mean. Please don't hear this. Don't look at the other people that you wish you could be like or look like or, or experience what they experience and then try to figure out how to have their strengths. No, I mean find your strengths. The things that make you who you are. Teddy Roosevelt says that comparison is the thief of joy. If you want to experience a life that's filled with joy, then quit looking around to figure out who you are. Only Jesus can tell you who you are. Because he's the one that created you. He's the one that knit you, that fashioned you in the womb. And he knows everything that's going to happen as he authors your life. So when you find out who you are, you're finding how God views you. So find your strengths. This is really bothering me. And I think it's this awesome, incredible, manly, masculine beard that I have. But sorry, I just got to pause for a second. See, God, it was intentional. He gave this to me, right? I could do it. It's fine. But he gave you strengths. You got to figure out what they are. And don't look around and try to compare yourself to be like anyone else. God made you look how you do, and he didn't make a mistake in that. What we know about God is that he's perfect, right? So he's never messed up. Well, he didn't mess up with you. You are beautiful because he says you're beautiful. You are strong and masculine because he says you are strong and masculine. You are who you need to be because he said this is who you need to be. You find who you are and how God views you, not how everyone else views you, because he made you exactly as you should be. He gave Daniel those good looks because he knew that when he had the good looks, he would stand out of the crowd, and he made him into royalty and nobility because he would be completely overlooked and not even considered if he wasn't. And he gave him a wise and smart brain so that he would go into the situations he did and be able to interpret the dreams he did and walk through difficult scenarios so that God would be greater glorified. All of it is intentional. And it's intentional with you. God has designed you specifically. So when you want to think about your future and who you become and what you're going to do in 10 years and who you're going to marry and all that nonsense, don't worry about what it is you're going to do or who you're going to become. Figure out who you are now. What are your strengths? And as you do this, there are two primary things that I would tell you, if you want to go and find these out, that you have to do. These are the, primary, the two primary ways that you can actually require figuring out your strengths. Learn who you are and be okay with it. Learn who you are and be okay with it. How many of you have ever seen Aladdin? Did I just speak love language for a second? Okay. Hang on. How many of you were even born when Aladdin came out? 92? How many of you were born after 92? Now I feel old. That's fine. Okay, so. When Aladdin came out, there was this one scene where the genie, where the genie turns into a little bumblebee. And he flies in Aladdin's ear, and Aladdin's like, I gotta become this incredible prince. I gotta be Prince Alibaba of everything, and I gotta make her really impressed with who I am. And he flies in his ear. And what does he say? Be yourself. It's the dumbest thing in the world, right? Okay. (laughs) It's the most truth Disney has ever spoken. It's so true. You shouldn't be anyone but yourself. So learn who you are and then be okay with it. See what I did there? You're welcome. (laughs) Learn who you are and be okay with it. When I was in my 20s, (laughs) still am in my 20s. When I was in my younger 20s, not that old. I used to think that I had to figure out what it is I wanted to do when I was 20, when I was in my 20s. I graduated college at 22. I finished the residency here at this church when I was 23, 24, and I I started to think I need to figure out what's my sweet spot. Where am I a best fit? How has God uniquely designed me to do ministry in the best possible way? What's the best thing for me to do? And then in my 20s, I'm going to find that out. In my 30s, I'm going to start doing it. And in my 40s, I'm going to start mastering it. Then in my 20s, I'm going to figure out what it is I love to do. In my 30s, I'm going to start doing it. In my 40s, I'm going to master it. And I thought this is like the path I should go on in my thinking. And so I took this thought to our executive pastor, Dan Ryland, a man far wiser than I'll probably ever be. And I said, Dan, this is kind of how I'm thinking it should play out. I'm, I'm 28 years old at the time, and, and is this, am I going after this right? Do I need to start having this down as I approach my 30s? He said, kind of. But I would actually change the way you're going after it. Instead of figuring out what you want to do and what your sweet spot is and all that, it doesn't matter. Figure out your strengths. In your 20s, you figure out what your strengths are. In your 30s, you start to utilize them in an area that works where your strengths are. And in your 40s, you start to master them. And when I learned this, when he told me this, it was like something unlocked because I no longer had to manipulate my situations to do who I think I needed to become. I no longer had to manipulate people. I could just realize this is who I am and I can be okay with that. I'm a leader and I'm a teacher and I'm okay with that. I don't need to go be Kevin Queen. Now, you might laugh when I say that. I'm being honest with you. Kevin was like a big brother to me. Still is. I've known him since I was 10 years old. And there was a long season where I would look at Kevin because he's incredible. Kevin's the man. And I would look at him and I'd be like, all right, Kevin's 9 years ahead of me. So whatever Kevin was doing 9 years before of where he is now, that's what I got to be doing because I got to be on his track. This played through my head for years. And then I realized, but I'm not Kevin Queen. I'm taller. <laughs> it's true. But I'm not. He's gifted in a specific way because that's how God designed him to be. And I'm different. And I'm okay with that. I thought I wanted to fill a certain position at this church. And then I realized after the fact and I didn't get that position, sweet mercy, that was the greatest thing that's ever happened, that I didn't get the position. Because it wouldn't have been within my strengths. This is within my strengths. I love this. I love what we get to do. I love the community that we're trying to build. I love the culture that we're founding in this place. I love teaching every week. I love getting to know you and have conversations. I love the coffees that we have together. I love getting to lead our leadership team that leads you. My whole thing is by leading a few, I will lead many. It it is so awesome when you start to live inside the strengths that God's given you. You don't try to manipulate and be someone else, be you, because God gave you strengths. So what you'll start to see is the same thing that I started to see, that once you realize who you are, you learn who you are, and then you're okay with it, that God starts to open up opportunities for you to live that out. And so, yes, God gave you strengths, but then once you realize those strengths, God gives you opportunities. So if you want to follow along, fill that in. God gives you opportunities. God gave you strengths, yes, but God gives you opportunities. You see, we see this in Daniel's story. God gave Daniel specific strengths and talents and who he was, and then he gave him opportunities to fill those out, to live out those strengths. By interpreting the dreams in Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 4. By in Daniel chapter 6, going up to to Darius and realizing, I I know that you made a law about no one can pray to anyone but you, but I'm praying to my God because God's given me a gift of faith. And that's what, this is making me so mad. There, I'm just going to yell from now on. But God, you gave me a gift of faith, and so I'm going to keep worshiping you, and I'm going to follow you. And so even though there's this thing where I'm supposed to pray to no one, but but Darius, I'm going to pray to God. And then what Darius did is he threw him in a lion's den. And it was another opportunity to show his strength, because through his faith, God shut the mouth of the lion. And then after Darius ran there the next morning and realized the lions didn't eat Daniel to death, then Darius started to praise God and made God the only person that anyone in the kingdom could pray to. See, he had a strength, and then God gave him opportunities to live it out. And when you realize your strengths, God will start to give you opportunities. God gave you strengths, but he gives you opportunities. It's something that all of you have to figure out. And as you do this, you'll start to find more of who you are, right? Learning who you are and being okay with it. And as you do this, you'll also start to see that your future becomes a lot clearer. Everything just starts to dissipate and become very focused and clear as you find yourself. As you find yourself in your education, which major that you choose becomes clear. And what it is you like to do. I changed my major the middle, midway through end of my sophomore year. I thought I wanted to go into education. And then I realized I don't really like the education side of it. I just like to read and write. So I became an English major instead. I found out who I was and my strength, and then it became more clear. As you find yourself in your influence, which friends to hang out with becomes more clear. As you find yourself in your strengths, which career you choose after this season of life becomes clear. As you find yourself in your personality, whom you should date, becomes clearer. And as you find yourself in your faith, and this is the biggest thing that I love. As you find yourself in your faith, your future becomes clearer. The things that you do, the opportunities that you have, and how you share who you are with other people... When I was 17 years old, I gave my life to Christ. Now, I said a prayer when I was eight, but when I was 17, I made a resolve in my life that Christ is going to become my identity. And from that moment on, there's never been a doubt that he saved me. I used to sit in chairs when pastors would come up here and speak, and they'd be like, if you want to accept Jesus, just say these words in your heart, and then you'll have them. And I'd be like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then the next Sunday, the exact same thing. And then two weeks later, the exact same thing. It's like, I just want to make sure I have like more of God. So, I'm going to make sure I'm saved. I never do that anymore because I have an assurance of my faith. When I was 17 years old, Jesus saved me. I know it's true, it's real. And I found myself in that, my identity in that. And as I find that, people start to see that in me. And it becomes an opportunity for me to share my faith and to realize that my story is one that God wants other people to see. My story is one that God is writing for His glory. And as my faith became, as I found myself more in my faith, my future became clearer. It's a story that we're also going to celebrate tonight. See, it's not just me, it's you too. And it's one of you in this room. So, um, Cassie, come on girl, let's get in the tub. (laughs) Now, I love baptisms because what a baptism is is publicly declaring what God has done in you privately. And it's a symbol. It's a symbol of the life that Jesus gives you. It's like, it's like a wedding ring. All right, I'm married. Her name's Larson. She's beautiful. She's incredible. She's my wife. But I just took my ring off. Am I still married? Yep. Still married. Because I made a vow to her. I committed my life to her for the rest of my life. And baptism is an opportunity to show the faith, the strength of faith that God has given Cassie. And so Cassie Didn't necessarily grow up anywhere around church, but felt like she always had a knowledge of God, but never knew God. And then recently got invited to a Bible study about a year ago. And in that Bible study, met certain people and realized that who I really am, I'm going to find, and who God is. Not in what people say, not in who people are, not in any other area. She realized her life wasn't what she wanted it to be. And then she found herself in Jesus. So she's here today in front of all her friends and her community, and as she said, her family. So that she can tell all of you that she's following Jesus and that's all that matters. So, Cassie, I have two questions for you. You trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Yes. And do you commit to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Then it is my absolute joy and all of our joy to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Here, take, well, I'll take that one, fine, okay. Now I'm soaking wet, but it's good. So as she gets dry and figures that out, see that right there, That's baptism is a picture of when you have resolve in your future. Cassie's not worried anymore about where she's going to be or who she's going to become. She finds it in who Christ says she is. And so she comes forward and gets in this tub as a picture, a symbol of Jesus giving her life, of her dying with Christ and being being risen with him. That's what the water is a symbol of. And so she has resolve in her future, and there's an opportunity to tell everyone about it. Baptism. And God will give you opportunities with your friends that you never thought were there before. God will give you opportunities with your family that you never thought were there before. God will continue to give you opportunities as you realize your strengths. God gave you strengths, but God gives you opportunities. And here's what we know to be true. That as he does this, as he did it in Cassie's life way before, and now we celebrate it today publicly, or as he's done it in my, as he did it in my life 12 years ago, He's done it in many of your lives. Is that once you realize he gives you these opportunities, he continues to show up over and over and over and over again. Because if God equipped you to do something, and then he's given you the opportunity to do it, he's going to see you through. He will always provide. If there's no other thing you understand tonight about trusting God, it's that God will always provide. That's the third thing, if you can write it down, all you scholars in the room. God will give you provision. Yes, God gave you strength. From the moment you were born, he designed a story for you. That you look how you do specifically and you should be who you are. And God will give you opportunities to then live that strength out. But then, once he does, it's you understanding that God will always give you provision. He will always come through. That you can trust him. So when you begin to think about the future and all the anxiety and the worry sets in and all the uncertainties start to cloud your mind and overwhelm you and you're like... I, like I'm about to graduate college and I don't have a job. I don't know what I'm going to do. Or this is what this is the the bad thought that played out in my head. I'm about to graduate college and I haven't met anyone. Maybe I'm just going to be single my whole life. Like you laugh. Listen. It was silly for me, okay? Cuz that's a silly thought. I was 22. You're young. You have no idea what God's going to do in your story if you just be obedient to him. And God always provides. You can trust him. So when we talk about provision, what we're saying is, God, I trust that you're going to take care of me more than I'm going to take care of myself. My future is more in your hands than it is in my hands. My future more depends upon what you have already done than anything that I can do when I start to trust in you. It's not about what you can do, it's about what he can do. And, and I had to learn this because I was a kid that grew up with a lot of worry. Any worriers in the room? Can I just feel better about myself? Shut your face. Seriously, that's like all of you. Hmm, interesting. Worry, anxiety, these overwhelming thoughts. I get sick to my stomach. And when I was younger, I would get worried about like the the dumbest things. But it would just be this overwhelming thing I'd have to deal with, like storms. Um... I just got, oh, that's cute. Okay. Anyone else still scared of storms? Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> but mine was like, mine was bad. Like I, I was terrified of like lightning because I thought if a dark cloud came and meant a tornado was coming, like any dark cloud, I'd see a shape in a cloud and I'd be like, that's a tornado. No, it's, no, it's not. But this is what I was afraid of all the time, all the time. There's one time I was in fifth grade and I, God bless my parents, I was in fifth grade and I just couldn't go to sleep and I'm sitting up in my bed, I'm bawling my eyes out hysterical and they're like, Matt, what is wrong? I'm like, I'm just scared. Like, why are you, why are you scared? Like you're in your, what? It's 10 o'clock, like I want to go to bed, stop being scared. And they didn't understand there's just something in me that, that held on to worry. And then when I was in middle school, I went to an FCA summer camp. I grew up through FCA. I loved FCA growing up, all the way through college. And I went to a summer camp when I was 12 years old. And the person talking there said, worry, talked about worry. He said, here's the deal, worry, worry is doubting God and nothing else. Worry is doubting God. When we get overwhelmed with worries, we're telling God that ultimately we just don't trust him. Worry is doubting God. And so when you worry about your future, what you're saying is, God, I don't know that I can trust you with my future. Because worry is doubting God. And here's the deal. My worry wasn't a surprise to Jesus. It's funny how that happens. He's not surprised that all like 18,000 of you just raised your hand, that you're worriers too. Because way back, over 2,000 years ago, he spoke about this in the book of Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount. So let's all turn there to Matthew, which is page 971, Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus talks about this idea of not trusting God, about worrying about your future, about who's going to provide, who's going to take care of you. Is it going to be you or is it going to be God? And he's telling these people all gathered around in this incredible sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And in chapter 6, he talks about worry. Starting in verse, we're going to start actually in verse 24. I know it says, do not worry at 25. Verse 24 is where he really gets into it. Verse 24, Matthew chapter 6, page 971. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and what? Money. Money. Now I just said the M word. I know it's like a cuss word in church. I understand. You cannot serve both God and money. And what is he talking about right here? Is he talking about finances? He's talking about trust. He's talking about provision. He's talking about your heart. He's talking about giving what you have to God and trusting that He's going to provide always. You cannot serve both God and money. You have to choose one to be the source of your provision. So whenever we talk about tithing, it's a heart issue. Do you trust God? If you say you trust him with your life, then you trust him to take care of you. And if you do, then be obedient to his call and willingly, thankfully saying, you just took care of me. Awesome. Every month. It's a heart issue. And he says, you cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, verse 25. And whenever there's a therefore, what do we say? Why is it therefore? So therefore, chapter verse 25. It's there because of what he said previously in 24, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single day to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. For those that are far from God, those that don't trust in God, run after all these things. I love this next line. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not, what? Worry. Worry. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, God continuously and always provides. And 32, the end of 32 is the best line. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows what you need. And God will give you provision. He will provide. He provided for Daniel over and over and over again for 90 years. See, my wife and I have seen this play over and over again. My dad taught me when I was younger. We didn't have a lot growing up. We never went on vacations. We never traveled or or lived in luxury by any means. But my father taught me one lesson. He said, Matt, we we tithe, we honor God with our first fruits because we believe that he will provide. And we've never missed a meal. meal, And we've never not been able to pay a bill. God's always taken care of us for what we need. And so my wife and I have seen that play over and over and over and over again in our life because we trust in God for our provision not in ourself. We trust that He will take care of us. And so we serve Him rather than anything else. And if you want to, to live this life, if you want to have resolve in your future, it all comes down to trust. Do you trust God? Do you actually, at the core of who you are, do you trust God that God has the best out for you and that He will provide for you in your future? And if you do, then you have to realize That you trust that God gave you strength. And then you trust that God gives you opportunities. And then you trust that God will give you provision. And I can't tell you, if you you ever want to be freed up from worry and anxiety, start trusting God. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. Because whatever God is wanting to do, He's going to do. And I'm fully okay with that. 100% all right with it because I trust Him. And I know that he's perfect, and he's never messed up, and he loves me. And if I want to take care of my two-year-old son, how much greater does God want to take care of me as his son? You can trust him. Trust that he gave you strengths. Trust that he gives you opportunities. And trust that he will give you provision. Trust that he's always making everything turn out for good for the sake of his glory. and And he continues to prove over and over and over again this is possible. So the question for you tonight is do you trust him? And if, you, if so, if you would say, yes, I trust God, then you have to realize that he will take care of your future. That is the resolve that you set. The resolve for your future is saying, God, I trust you. But if you don't, if you come in here tonight and you're like, I'm not quite sure that I can, or I've never thought about this before, I'm not sure that I actually trust God, then for you, what you need to know is that you are exactly who you are supposed to be. You are exactly who you are supposed to be. You are exactly the weight you should be right now. You are exactly the height that you're going to be. Newsflash, you're not growing anymore, okay? Just letting you know. You look exactly as you should. You are as smart as you should be. God did not make a mistake in building and crafting and making you. He did it perfectly. Realize that he gave you strength. Learn who you are and be okay with it. And you can trust God because of these things. And you can trust him with your future. So let me pray for you all. Father, I thank you for the fun of this lesson. The, the lessons that I've had to learn through trusting you. The lessons I've had to learn through, through giving you my, my heart. Lessons I've had to learn through realizing that I can give you my future. And in the moment that I stopped trying so hard is the moment that you allowed me to see everything that I had going on. The moment I stopped trying to manipulate is when gratitude increased. And all the muck, all the muddled mess of my life just became clear when I realized that you gave me strengths. And I can live out those strengths. And I can be okay with who I am. The silliness, the wittiness, the stupidness, God, whatever it is that I do in this this fake sense of humor sometimes to make people laugh. It's okay. It's who I am. Or, Father, if it's a certain way that I look and the opportunities that I have, it's okay. It's exactly who I am. It's who you made me to be. So, Father, I pray that if nothing else tonight, if nothing else occurs, that the people in this room would realize that they can trust you. They can trust you, God, with their entire life. They can trust you for their provision. They can trust you to take care of them. They can trust you because you're a good father, because you're kind, because you love us. Father, I pray if nothing else in this place tonight, these people would trust you with their life. That they would determine tonight to say, I'm going to have resolve about my future. And it's okay to say, I don't know. When someone asks me what it is I'm going to do, I don't know. But I know that you're going to take care of me. If nothing is assured to us in this world, you are assured to us. You are constant. You never change. You are a rock. You are our rock, Father. And I thank you for loving us through our silliness, through our questions. And in this season of life where we're filled with it, God, I pray that you continue to grow us up, every single person in this room. Would you grow us up in wisdom and stature and in favor with both you and with men just as you did, Jesus. And as you do that, allow us to see who you've created us to be. Allow us to to see who we are through your eyes as opposed to outside eyes and find our identity internally versus externally. God, if no outside circumstances determine your goodness, then no outside circumstances determine the good work that you've done in us. So may we find what that looks like in each of us, Father. Reveal to us who we are and increase our trust in you, God. You never let us down. You always provide. So we love you. We thank you because you paid it all for us. And Lord, we praise you in Jesus' name.